0: second part of this fascinating study on the woman and the dragon of the prophecy of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. Let's pray. Lord God of the heavens, you were with us last week as we discovered the keys that unlock prophecy. This week, as we go into the prophecy itself, using these biblical keys, I want to pray again that you'll be here, that you'll be blessing us that you'll be leading us and guiding us and making this prophecy simple for us to understand so that, Lord, not only that we understand the prophecy, that we are brought also, Lord, into the presence of Jesus, our Saviour and God. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for being in the church this morning, I pray in your name. Amen. You'll remember last week that we began to look at the prophecy of Revelation chapter 12 and we looked at some keys that unlock the prophecy. We saw that a woman in Bible prophecy is the church of God, is the people of God. We saw that a dragon in prophecy is Satan, the devil himself. We saw that a child, the child of prophecy was none other than Jesus Christ, the Saviour, the Messiah, the great God of our world. We saw last week, and it was interesting to see it, how one day in Bible prophecy equals one year. A very important key, if you were to understand prophecy. We saw how a time is a Jewish term for one year. And in the Jewish year, unlike our year, there are 360 days. We also saw how the sea represents multitudes, nations and peoples. So if the sea equals multitudes, nations and peoples, we deducted that land must equal a place where there are no people, multitudes and nations. Now if you are not sure on what I have just shared, if you are watching this on television and this is new, then I would encourage you to call us with the number on screen. Or if you like, email us and we will get you the, the first the first instalment. We I promise you, in days we will get you the first instalment of this fascinating scripture, of this fascinating prophecy and you'll be able to watch that first instalment in the comfort of your home. In the church... Well, we will also, if you like to sign up on the, on the table as you walk out of the church, we'll also be very happy to give you a free DVD. So let's get into the prophecy. Revelation chapter 12, we have the keys. Let's see this morning if we can understand it. Revelation, using the keys, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It reads like this. Now, a great sign appeared in the heaven. A woman. Who's a woman? It's the church of God. It's the people of God. Now, listen to me this morning. God has always had a people. God has always had a church. From Genesis chapter 1 right through to the second coming and on into eternity, God has always had a people. God has always had a church. A church is not a denomination. A church is people, a church is not buildings, it's not a religion, a church is people, understand that. If Jesus is in your heart, if you are following him with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind, as you read the Bible, if you are being convicted, if if Jesus is the saviour of your life, then you are a part of his church, you are a part of his people, you are his and you are symbolised by this woman. But let's go back to the prophecy. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman, this is a church or a people, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. This is a beautiful picture. Verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labour and in pain to give birth. The woman is the church or the people of God. The child is Jesus Christ. The woman here can be none other than Israel, who in the Old Testament are God's people. How do we know that? Because the child who is Jesus Christ, remember the key, comes out of Israel. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus' mother, Jesus' father were Israelites. Jesus had Jewish blood running through his veins. He came out of Israel. He came out of the people of God. Let's read verse 3. And behold, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Let's see by using the keys whether we can understand what the prophecy is saying here. Verse 3, we know, is talking about Satan. Another sign appeared in the heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon. That's Satan. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. What's that talking about? Oh, I think we'll do a, a, a presentation real soon on the great war between Satan and Jesus in heaven. It's fascinating. Did you know that Satan took a third of the angels with him? There was war in heaven. Read the whole chapter, you'll see that. Jesus defeated Satan. He took a third of the the angels with him and they were thrown, unfortunately, to the earth where they've been cursing us ever since. The Bible says in verse 4, his tail, Satan's tail, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon, Satan, stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Well, let me tell you something. That from the moment... Jesus was born. The devil was attempting to destroy him. And if you want to go to Matthew chapter 2, you can read the story about how just after Jesus was born, God was forced to send an angel to Joseph and and, and tell him to escape with the child to Egypt. Because Satan, through the king, the evil king Herod, was after Jesus Christ. Go and read the story in Matthew 2. It's a sad story how Herod went into that village that Jesus was born in, Bethlehem, and with his wicked soldiers he killed every boy, every child under the age of two years old. Tragedy. Jesus escaped because God was watching over him. He escaped To Egypt. But from the moment Jesus was born, Satan was trying to destroy him. The prophecy is ringing true as we unpack it this morning. Verse 5 She, Israel, not Mary in the context here, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. We know Jesus came. We know Jesus lived. We know Jesus died and saved the world. Praise God, Jesus died and saved the world. After he died, praise the Lord, he was resurrected. And the Bible says that Jesus, and I believe it, went back up to the right hand of God to sit on the throne with God in heaven. The prophecy continues to ring true as we unpack it this morning. But this is where it starts to get very interesting. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. Jesus, now now let's look at the context of time here. Jesus has lived, he died, he was resurrected, he's gone back to heaven. The woman now, the church, the people of God, must be the church that Jesus set up while he was on earth. What church was that? Go and read the book of Acts, it's the early apostolic Church which through the following centuries spread the story of Jesus like a bushfire from one end of the then known earth to the other. The story of Jesus could not be put out. These men, these women, they gave their lives to spread the story of Jesus. They gave their lives in blood. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. Then the woman, the church, the people of God, fled into the wilderness, so fled to a place where there were no people, where she had a place prepared by God that she should be fed there 1,260 days. Now let's use the keys. The woman, the church, the people of God fled into the wilderness, fled to a place where there was nobody for how long? 1,260 days or 1,260 years. Now what happened? This is a a sad story and in many ways I wish it didn't have to be told. But as the Christian church moved out across the world, it gained in influence, it gained in numbers until three, four, five hundred years after Jesus, there were millions of people on the earth who called themselves Christians. I wish I had more time to unpack this story, but I've got to do it quickly this morning. But you can go to the library. You can check your history books. What I'm about to tell you is historical fact. I did a history degree. I studied this for myself. I have been to Europe. I've seen the ruins of the story that I'm about to share with you. It is a true story. It is a sad story. But there was a split and it began around 300 AD in the Christian church. Nothing hurts the people of God more than a split. And the split came about because of the influences Satan was bringing upon the Christian church from the world. There was one group who stayed true to God. They said, the Bible is our textbook, the Bible only. We will worship according to the Bible. We will believe according to the Bible. We will walk according to the Bible. There was another group who said, well, we do believe in the Bible, but there are some cultures, there are some influences, there are even some beliefs from the pagan world that they lived in that that we are prepared to tolerate in the church. We're prepared to incorporate some of these beliefs. What are they quickly? Well, let me share a few with you. The pagans served the Sun God. Guess what happened to Christianity? This split. Some of Christianity allowed the pagan day of worship. I wonder what day that was. Sun God? What day did they worship on? Sunday. Historical fact. They allowed the pagan day of worship to enter Christianity and they exchanged it for the seventh-day Sabbath. Historical fact. What other things caused this split? Well, the pagans used to worship a multitude of gods. Some in Christianity, and it really ended up being the majority, were prepared to allow the concept of praying to a myriad of gods to come into the church. But rather than praying to a myriad of gods, they would then just pray to some of the saints. Maybe Peter the Apostle, or Matthew, or John, or these great worthies of God. Now the Bible says very clearly, you can go and check Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 4 and 5, 6, verse 10, the dead know nothing. Peter Timothy, Paul, these are great apostles, they all lie in the grave awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. But the, the Christian church allowed some of these concepts in and there was a split. And the split was so serious that by 538, the Ostrogoths, a Germanic tribe, had, had, they had surrounded the eternal city of Rome. Inexplicably, they withdrew And when they withdrew, the bishop of Rome, a clergyman like myself, a pastor, he took over the rulership of the Roman Empire. Now I'm abbreviating and I'm skipping over a lot of history here and I'm just giving you the bare facts. But from that time on, the Christian world was ruled by a clergyman by a pastor. And I want to tell you something, and I say this unashamedly, and I say this as a pastor. There is no place in politics for religion. Religion and state should not mix. The role of a pastor, my role, is to draw people and to point them to Jesus. It is not to get involved in state affairs, in politics, in any form. And I just want to tell you this morning that when you see religion... Mixing with politics. This is from a pastor. This is from a preacher. I am a preacher unashamedly. But when you see preachers, when you see religion mixing with politics, be very careful. Because the role of religion, the role of, of preachers, the role of pastors is to draw you to Jesus. The role of our prime ministers and our politicians is to govern the land. They are separate things. And of course, when you have a preacher in control, one of the things he'll do is when he can't win you, maybe he'll be tempted to force you, especially if he has armies behind him. And that's what happened. This split in Christianity was serious, and you have one side of Christianity beginning to persecute the other side of Christianity. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, when the woman flees into the wilderness, it flees into the wilderness because it's being persecuted, could you believe it, by Christianity. Christianity persecuting Christianity. It's history. Go through Europe. You can see where Christians persecuted Christians to our shame. To our shame. Millions somewhere in history struggles to get a a sense of how many people died. But somewhere between 50 and 500 million, I know they're wide numbers, but we're not sure, died at the hands of other Christians because for no other reason that they would want to worship as the Bible instructs them to. And the Bible tells us that this would go on for 1260 days or 1260 years and guess what? It was in 538 AD that the pastors got in control of the empire. And it wasn't until 1798, 1260 years later that Napoleon General Berthier marched into the city, took the pastor, took the religious leader prisoner and thus the persecution ended. Well, you know, the second section of this prophecy just backs up what I have already told you. Have a look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. Now, when the dragon, that's Satan, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. Satan persecutes the Christian church. We've already seen that. It was Satan that was behind the persecution. It was Satan that was behind the oppression. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, here it is, times and half a time from the presence of the serpent or from the presence of Satan. The Bible says that God's people were given two great wings like an eagle where they escaped into the earth. Or to the land, to a place where there was, remember the key, no nations, no multitudes, no peoples. And there God nourished the church. And it's true, the people of God escaped to the ends of the earth. They escaped into the mountains of northern Italy. Ever heard of the Waldenses? They escaped into the mountains of France. Ever heard of the Huguenots? Mighty people of God. They escaped over to Ireland. Ever heard of St. Patrick? They escaped to Scotland. They went to the far ends of the earth to escape this persecution. Interesting that what they did is they escaped to the far ends of the earth. They would train their young people who would go back into Europe and they would share the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ, that man is saved by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Wonderful, wonderful testimonies of millions of people through these dark ages. 538 AD. 17:98, But look what the Bible says here Revelation chapter 12 Revelation chapter 12 and verse 16 But the earth helped the woman And the earth opened its mouth And swallowed up the flood Which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth The church, the people of God survived They survived because they escaped To the far reaches of the earth But look what the Bible says here And this is where this prophecy comes home To you and me this morning Verse 17 And the dragon was enraged with the woman He went to make war with Satan was enraged with the church. Satan was enraged with the people of God and he went to make war. This is, this is after the persecution stopped 1798. This is our time. This is end time. Satan is enraged at the woman. Satan is enraged at the church of God. He's enraged at God's people. He's enraged at you if you have Jesus in your heart and you are following him as the Messiah, as the great God of this earth in your life. And verse 17 says, The dragon Satan was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. The offspring, that's you. It's you who keep. Now God describes who these people are. This should hit home deep to your heart. You need to do more study on this and understand this clearly. Here's the description of God's end time people. Here it is. Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. God's end time people, God's woman, who he is coming back for. The Bible says it in the last book of this holy Bible. The Bible says in Revelation 12 verse 17 that God's people are described at the end of time as being commandment keepers. What are the commandments? Quickly, no other gods before me. Do not bow down to graven images. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Here they are, remember the Sabbath day, fourth commandment, interesting. Fifth commandment, obey your mother and father. Sixth commandment, do not, what is it? Murder. Seventh commandment, do not commit adultery. Eighth commandment, do not steal. Ninth commandment, do not lie. Tenth commandment, do not covet. This is the description. They're not saved by this, but it's a description of the people of God. They keep his commandments and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What's the testimony of Jesus Christ? Revelation. Revelation, as we close this wonderful study. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 says... Worship God, we'll look at the last part of the text, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 and 20, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19, 20 and 21. Listen to it and this is very interesting and we have the prophetic word confirmed. Which you would do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You have the prophetic word. Take heed of it until the day dawns and the morning star Jesus rises in your heart. What is it? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture. What is the spirit of prophecy? It is Scripture. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. There's the spirit of prophecy. It is the Bible. I've got to close now because I've run out of time. But God's end time church, God's end time people are a people who keep the commandments of God and they believe in the Bible. This is a powerful study. Those who believe in the Bible, who choose this as a foundation of their faith. Those who believe in the Ten Commandments, that it is God's law, that it is holy, that it is good. These are the people who have Jesus in their hearts, who have been forgiven, who are washed in his blood. These are the people, this is the description that God gives of his people at the end of time. It's a challenge. It's a sharp challenge. The sword It it, it thrusts, the sort of truth it thrusts deep into the heart when you're looking at this prophecy. Because God is saying, hey, if you follow me, the things that I'm going to see working in your heart are the commandments and the Bible is the foundation of your faith. Where are you this morning? Are you a part of this woman? Let it challenge you. Are you a commandment keeper? Is the Bible the foundation of your faith, the foundation of your life? Or do you live in the traditions of men? It's an eternal question, one that you should answer as you get convicted by this wonderful prophecy in Revelation 12. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being here. Bless us with this truth. Convict us. Drive us to you. Even when it hurts, Lord, drive us to you so that we can be in your presence, surrounded by your love, living in peace, waiting for you as you return the second time. Thank you, Jesus, I pray for hearing the prayer and blessing the people this morning. In the name of Jesus our great God and Saviour. Amen.